The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas Continuing his sermon for Christmas Eve The Coming of the Divine Infant Christians have been more enlightened than the pagans and have had the honor of knowing the Incarnation that man is God and God is man although even they are incapable of completely penetrating its mystery. For this is a mystery hidden in the obscurity of night's darkness. Of course, the mystery is not really dark at all, for God is only light. Just as our unaided eyes cannot look directly into the sun's brilliant light without our having to close them immediately, being momentarily blinded, so in a similar way, our understanding is blinded and darkened by the brilliant light and splendor of the mystery of the Incarnation. Our understanding, the eye of our soul, cannot consider this mystery for any length of time without becoming clouded, humbly confessing that it cannot penetrate it deeply enough to understand how God became incarnate in the virginal womb of the Most Holy Virgin and how He became one like us to make us like God. God rained manna in the desert night for the children of Israel. To increase their gratitude to him, he himself arranged the feast and set the table. For Moses said, You will know that the Lord brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see his glory. He first made a sweet dew descend from heaven to serve as a tablecloth upon the desert. Then the manna fell, like little coriander seeds, Finally, to show that he honored them as one now serves princes with covered plates, he made a little dew rain down to preserve the manna until the morning, when the Israelites gathered it up before the sunrise. But God desired an even greater and more loving gift for us who live on earth as in a desert, and who long for the joy of the promised land, our heavenly country. He came himself to bring us this gift, and he came in the middle of the night. This special gift is the grace which helps us to attain what would otherwise be impossible for us, the joy and happiness of glory. Thus, in the darkness of night, our Lord was born and appeared to us as an infant lying in a manger. Reflect a bit on how this happened. The Most Holy Virgin produced her Son virginally, as the stars produced their light, now one of Our Lady's titles is that of Star of the Sea, or Morning Star. The Star of the Sea is the polar star, toward which the mariner's needle always points. By it, captains navigate on the sea and can discern their direction and course. Everyone knows that the ancient fathers of the Church, as well as the patriarchs and prophets, kept their sights on this polar star, sailing by its favor. Ship captains have always looked to the North Star to avoid the shipwrecks which are so usual in sailing the waters of this miserable world. The most sacred virgin is also that morning star, which brings us the gracious news of the coming of the true Son. All the prophets knew that the virgin would conceive and bring forth a child who would be at once both God and man. She conceived but by virtue of the Holy Spirit. She conceived and delivered her son virginally. Having chosen her for his mother because of her virginity, 
Is it likely that he would have violated her virginity at his birth? Could purity itself in any way diminish his most holy mother's purity? Our Lord is begotten virginally from all eternity in the bosom of his heavenly Father. He shares in the one divinity of his eternal Father, without dividing it or fracturing the divine simplicity. He remains one same God with him. The Most Holy Virgin produced her Son, our Lord, on earth, as he is produced by his Father eternally in heaven, that is, virginally. There is one important difference, however. She brought him forth from her womb, and not in her womb. For once he left it, he will no more return there. But his heavenly Father begets him from his bosom and in his bosom, and he shall remain there eternally. All this ought not be sifted and examined overly curiously, nor ought we to overtax our understanding in the examination of this divine birth. It is a little too lofty for us. It is good, however, to use it as a foundation for our meditations on the mystery of our Lord's nativity. With this in mind, it is with good reason that the Most Holy Virgin has a name which signifies star. Stars produce their light virginally and without any detriment to themselves. Quite the contrary, for the light makes them even more beautiful to us. In the same manner, Our Lady produced the inaccessible light of her most blessed Son without receiving any injury from it nor staining in any way her virginal purity. There was, however, this difference. She produced Him without any effort, shock, nor violence whatsoever. This is not the case with the stars, for it is clear that they produce their light by shocks, and it seems with violence and force. Let us return to the manna for our second consideration. The manna had three kinds of tastes which were proper and particular to it, besides having every taste that one could desire it to have. If the Israelites wanted to eat bread, the manna had the taste of bread. If they wanted to eat partridge and other such things, the manna had that taste. The manna had the particular taste, or flavor, of flour, honey, and oil. These symbolize the three substances which are found in the most blessed infant, whom we shall see tomorrow lying in the manger. Just as these three tastes were found in one single food, manna, so in the person of our Lord there are three substances which constitute but one same person who is at once both God and man. In this most blessed baby, are found the divine nature, the nature of the soul, and that of the body. In the manna was the taste of honey, which is actually a heavenly liquid. For although bees gather honey from among flowers, they do not take it from flowers. Rather, they imbibe with their little mouth the honey which falls upon the flowers from heaven along with the dew, and this only at a certain time of the year. Likewise, At the very moment of his incarnation, our Lord's divine nature descended from heaven onto this blessed flower, the most holy Virgin Our Lady, where human nature gathered it and preserved it in the hive of the Virgin's glorious womb for nine months. After that, it was placed in the crib, 
where we shall see it tomorrow. The taste of oil found in the manna represented the nature of our Lord's most holy soul. What else is his most blessed soul but an oil, a balm, a spreading perfume whose excellent fragrance infinitely satisfies those who smell it? What fragrance did it not spread forth in the presence of the Divine Majesty, seeing itself in union with it without having done anything to merit it? What acts of perfect charity and profound humility did it not make at this very moment of incarnation when it entered into a sacred and incompar incomparable union with the eternal word? And what incomparably sweet fragrance has it not poured forth so as to move us to follow and imitate its perfections? Finally, the taste of flour, also found in manna, represents the other aspect of our Lord's most holy humanity, his adorable body, which, when crushed on the tree of the cross, was made into a very precious bread to nourish us into life eternal. O savory bread, anyone who eats you worthily shall live forever and can never die the eternal death. What an incomparably delightful taste this bread has for souls who eat it worthily. How wonderful to be nourished on the bread come down from heaven, the bread of angels. It is even more wonderful by the love with which it is given to us, by him who is at once both gift and giver. But lest I stay too long on these first two points, which feed our understanding, I shall now pass on to the third to inflame our will. It contains something of great spiritual benefit for us. I remark in passing that of all the people then in great numbers in Bethlehem, it was only the simple shepherds who came to visit our Lord. Afterward the Magi came from afar to adore and render homage to the new king lying in the manger. When they announced the news of this happy birth, the angels gave wonderful signs to the shepherds. Go, they said, and you will find the infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. What signs are these to make known our Lord? And what simplicity the shepherds showed in believing what was announced to them in these words? They would have had some good reason for their belief if the angels had said, Go and you will find the infant seated on an ivory throne, surrounded by heavenly courtiers. But they said, Your Savior is born under these signs. You will find him in a manger among animals and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why do you think the angels addressed the shepherds rather than anyone else in Bethlehem? Our Lord had come as a shepherd and as king of shepherds. He desired to favor those like himself. Whom do the shepherds symbolize? Some say that they represent the shepherds of the church, such as bishops, superiors of religious, priests and all those who are charged with souls. Some of the Holy Fathers insist that our Lord reveals his mysteries more particularly to them inasmuch as they are commissioned by God to celebrate them and make them understood by their flock, the souls committed to their care. This has been taken from The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas, translated by Nuns of the Visitation, and edited by Father Louis S. Fiorelli 
OSFS. Published in 1987 by 10 books and publishers, Rockford, Illinois, and aired with permission of the publisher. This book may be purchased online at www.tanbooks.com or by calling toll-free 1-800-437-5876.